This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Hey TJ, uh, great to be back with you again. How are you doing? Doing all right. We are busy. We are rolling, but we're rolling into the holiday season, just kind of getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. And then obviously we roll into a busy time of the year as we roll into the Advent season and Christmas. What about you? So, yeah, you know, same. I think just as I told you when we first got on, like I'm busier than I want to be. Uh, and it always seems that way. But but yet I also know about myself. That if, if I had any downtime, I would find something to fill it because I just that's just who I am and I don't like downtime. So, so definitely, uh, but yeah, coming into this holiday season, looking forward to some time with my family and a few extra days away for Thanksgiving. Uh, and as I'm sure most people are, but yeah, and then we're jumping right into that Advent season, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy that it does. It starts so fast. I mean, the first Sunday, literally right after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. So yeah, to, to fit those, you know, four Sundays in there before, uh, Christmas definitely have to jump right into that. So, but, you know, yeah. just a couple of kind of housekeeping things. And I know, like you said, as we continue to, to roll through this and, you know, we, as we walk through life and ministry together and with our audience, um, I have got some feedback from people and it's great to hear from people who listen to the podcast. So if, if you are a listener and we'd love to hear from you, you can follow us on our social media feeds, send us an email, at acts 2020 podcast at gmail.com. I mean, it's kind of the easiest way or social media feeds to get a hold of us. But you know, one of the things I've heard from people is that they don't realize that we're on more than just Podbean. So, the, so Podbean is where we uh, host our podcast. It's at, but, but it is on every, basically, I guess that we know of every podcast platform that, that you might probably use. So it's on the Apple podcast app. It's in Google play. If you're one of those Android people, we don't leave you out either. Uh, it's on there and, and a, a lot of third-party apps. So uh, again, if you have a way other than just, you know, website that you listen to podcasts, chances are we're probably on there. So go ahead and search for it. And I'll say, if, if we're not on one that you want us on, then I guess shoot us a message and we'll figure out how to get it on there. So, uh, but yeah. And, and while you're on there again, share it, you know, uh, give us some ratings, reviews, uh, invite other people to listen. Like you said, we are still a, just a, a startup show. Right. And, you know, we are talking about that, that, um, you know, we, we enjoyed hanging out together, talking about this stuff. And so, and, you know, so I, again, I think we would do it even if nobody listened, but it is, it's nice when that people do actually do listen as well. Yeah, and I'll tell my my parents to stop sending you those emails so we can get <laughs> just like, but that's no, so I think funny. that that's 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 important, right? To be able to have, um, you know, wherever your favorite podcast is had, you know, check it out, find where it's at. There's a lot of opportunity for um, enrichment, 
through podcasts, I know that, you know, when I'm busy or working out or different things, it's just easy to take it with you and, um, you know, to, to just get poured into at times. So hopefully this has a value add for people as well, that they're seeing that and they can take us with us. We're more accessible than maybe they had once thought. So good shout out on that. And we're, we're thankful for those that are, I mean, if there's something, or even like you said, Brian, if there's something that, um, even content, you know, we're always looking for an opportunity. If there's a subject matter or something that you're walking through, like in an established church, or you're, you're trying to process through that, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a show, but we'd love to maybe try to help speak into that, or at least share our testimony of how we've navigated um, through those things as we've currently served. And so uh, we just want to be a resource. We want to be able to help our relationship is, you know, great that we have that. But if there's something else too, yeah, we that's why we exist. So we'll keep going. Hopefully there's those that are following along. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about the just community, seeking community together, you know, those different places that we can find it, whether it's in our own church, uh, in the community with other pastors, within our family and kind of close circle of accountability type of people. And, you know, one of the things that came up in that discussion that, I've, that we felt like we could dig, dig deeper on, probably kind of look specifically at, and that is the staff within our church, right? And how do we staff, um, you know, even do you have staff? And I think walking into, especially um, potentially an established church, I mean, there, there's, a, you know, a wide range of possibilities you could walk into. Right? I mean, again, you could be coming into where you are the only staff person um, you could be walking into where there are existing staff and how do you navigate that? Um, Cause kind of what's your philosophy, I guess, that's going forward. Again, I know that there's, there's different, uh, different plans or policies or, uh, you know, procedures out there in different churches. I mean, I've heard of some that like, again, when a new lead pastor comes in that everybody is res automatically resigned. And then that pastor gets to hire their own people, you know, or decide who they hire back or who they bring in. Um, that's of course one, one way to go about it, I guess, you know, then the other way would be nobody is, is fired, right. Other than lead pastor comes in and, and then that leader just inherits everybody and tries to figure out who they are and whether, you know, where they fit, um, and probably everything in between. So I think just as we talk about staff and talk about, and I, again, I think part of that is even knowing, um, which is kind of an, an, probably a different topic, but of who has the authority to hire and fire, who has, who gets to decide when it's time to add another staff member or not. Again, is that a board decision? Is that an elder decision? Is it you as a lead pastor? Um, does the staff have any input into that? I mean, there's, there's lots of ways we could go with this and questions and, you know, but again, ultimately that is one of the questions, by the way, that you need to know, not just when it comes to staffing is who has the power to make what decisions. I think that's, like you said, that's kind of one of the things we have slated down to probably talk about at another show, but, uh, and that, but that's very important. And so, and, and it's very important, especially with staffing, right. Of man, do I have the authority right in the position that I'm walking into, um, to decide how this happens. And again, that's just something that, that you hopefully will find out during the interview process, right. Like before you end up at the church, but maybe not. Right. And so if you don't know that, um, or even if you're at your church already, or even if, even if you're not the lead person, if you're even on staff, do you know who has the power to fire you and who does it? You know, I mean, that's, and again, I don't, I'm not, we can, I guess, argue whether any church employee should ever be fired. I, I don't, but, but it happens all the time. I mean, we hear that, you know, again, a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
especially it seems like staff, maybe not lead pastors, but even lead pastors get pushed out, get fired. You know, they're told forced to resign, right? However that comes around, right? I mean, we always have these language that we use in church culture to make it seem like somebody didn't get fired, but the reality is they, they did. So, but anyways, um, it's a big can of worms. So um, why don't we start here? Why don't we just start with identifying what situation we walked into when we went to our churches? So TJ, yeah. what was, what was it like at Fairview when you showed up? Well, I would say like maybe even before going back to that, I, I want to touch on one of those things because um, I've been a part of uh, being a secondary piece, like you were saying, in an established church and we brought in a new pastor. Um, and what I would say from two sides, and I know this now, so from a leadership standpoint, this shaped me incredibly for wanting to know how to um, handle things or encourage them. So it has multi perspectives. So one of the things when I was serving at that church, the, um, the elder board who kind of had that governance over that uh, position as we were seeking a new senior or lead pastor, um, they, writ they wrote some things in that said, the new guy could not um, remove somebody for 90 days. And so there was a period to where they couldn't establish their own staff. Um, and you kind of hit on some of those other scenarios, like when someone comes in, everybody offers the resignation. If he keeps them, then that's kind of uh, one rule. But in this one, uh, I was unaware that they'd kind of made that. And what was being communicated, I think the elders wanted to keep the staff intact. Um, but what ended up materializing was um, I got put in this no man's land for like 90 days and it felt awkward and it felt like, do they want it? Am I supposed to stay here? And I guess now being the lead guy, I get some of the pressure, but it was like communicated, like, uh, I just can't really say anything right now. Let's just make it through this. And, um, ultimately it was kind of that they wanted to bring in their own person. And so I think even sometimes when you handle this, when who's in power with, when you have volunteers, when you have staff, um, man, my desire would be to handle that well. And it shaped it because I guess I left that, um, like you said, whether the, the, the term is fired or not, uh, like you feel so devalued and yeah. the calling that you have, uh, could be brought into question, I think, if you're not deeply rooted, right? And so, like, I know I found myself at that road um, and really felt like, God, I, I want to be used, but I want to be kind of like this, <laughs> some of these next people we're talking about, like key and volunteer people, like, I want to be the best lay person that I can. I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like, I'll volunteer, I'll help lead Sunday school, I'll do whatever I need to, but I don't want to ever be hurt like this again. And so I think, you know, when you talk about staffing, when you talk about those things, it was birthed to me at that point. Um, even if you do desire to ask and have your staff, like you were saying, you're coming into established church. So now getting back to, to Fairview, you're coming into an established church. What authority do you have? And then just be kind of like more transparent. I think you can handle that, setting that up ahead of time, as opposed to blindsiding people, um, feeling like, you know, some of these pre-existing employees, like you can do everything you want, except for get rid of these employees, these two. Well, how many employees can I have? Well, two. <laughs> and then you kind of find yourself in this situation, right? So um, when I came here uh, 
to Fairview, we didn't have anyone. Um, historically, they'd had a worship pastor, they'd had a children's pastor, a youth pastor um, throughout the years, and they had some of these, and sometimes they weren't completely full-time employees, but they had the roles and they had the position. So we came into a place where I'm the only person. We have kind of a, an arrangement, kind of like on a part-time with our worship uh, leader. She comes in and does Sundays and does some prep throughout the week, obviously, to be ready for that. And then we had shared staff. So we have a child center that we have here. And, um, you know, they were able to, they're kind of like shared. So because we're a smaller church and we didn't have a lot of things, some of their costs are considered like five-sevenths or there's a fraction. Knowing that there's a couple of days during the week, like Sunday and some others that the church would have them. The days that they're here also for the, uh, the child center, they're also a shared cost. So they kind of help facilitate that. So some of our support and administrative staff um, or like even our janitor um, for the child center, we wouldn't have one here every day because the church doesn't meet every day. So some of those things were uniquely inherited in that context. And so they're shared costs. So um, that's kind of what we came under. There is a, uh, a history of having more positions, but right now that's not um, where we're at. And so I think there's going to be some of those things, including uh, growth that will determine some of those. And I think, you know, you even have some of those uh, pieces of, of what is it when you add another staff member and what does that role look like? So I think you're probably, as we've talked about a little bit further down the road in some of those things, but I think some of the other things that we'll cover today, but before I kick it to you are going to be, um, you know, like I said, myself, what I was going to be is a lay member. So key volunteers, key people that move that forward. And oftentimes those could be people that have passion. They can be elders, they can be board members, um, and then just some of that staff. So B, what do you what did you kind of come into at Oregon Trail? You had some positions, you were at established church, and then kind of I guess maybe what is your what is your rubric? What is your scorecard um, to kind of know what is next steps for you? Yeah. So and again I this is actually probably one of the things that uh, was central to Oregon Trail to me coming in uh, was this whole this the structure of staffing because as we know again you don't come into a, a revitalization situation without um, you know without the church being in hard times I mean there's a reason why it's shrunk down right or why it needs to be revitalized um, and so and again just looking back at the reasons that Oregon Trail had had struggles uh, it was all centered on staffing and, and I, again there was like I mean, there were some deep rooted problems and issues that kind of came out, but it, it, again, it all, I mean, it all hit the fan through their staffing structure. And so that, that was kind of the, looking back at that and it, and through that was again, and, you know, we talked about, uh, about DB last time. And again, he was the guy who was here before me and that, and that was part of it. And he was at the, the core of this change was, and because there was different staffing issues, and again, the board, the uh, the way it was under him was the board was in charge of all employees. Mm. And so, so not only was the board, um, you know, was Don accountable to them, but all of the employees were. And the board had all of the authority of hiring or of evaluating or firing. The problem was that the board wouldn't, wasn't doing anything. And so there were these kind of issues that were, that started to arise within some of the staff and you know, so different, different things. And, and Don found his hands tied because he had no authority to, 
to reprimand or discipline or, um, you know, or kind of to, to lead ultimately, like, and, and so he, he was just, his only role was to go to the board and say, Hey, this is a problem. You guys need to deal with it. And then they didn't. And so, so then everything again, whether, and, and again, I don't, I don't know that now, you know, everything I do about it. I mean, there's like, you know, I was, I wasn't here and, but, but then it just the fallout ended up right it, pushing the church into this, this really hard, tough season. And, and so in the midst of that, like I said, the minute, that was when Don kind of came to them after all of this went down and Don kind of realized how much his hands were really tied because of that structure uh, was when he went to the board and just said, Hey guys, like, I, I mean, I'm still here, but I'm only here as, as an interim person because, um, you know, he's like this, there's some systemic changes that need to happen. This church needs new leadership. And, but, but he was, again, the wise man he is, and we've already kind of built him up last time we've talked about that. And, but I mean, I'll continue to say that because he had just in his wise uh, viewpoint, he came to them and said, but we have to change the foundational problem with the structure before we can ever rebuild it you know, because we have to learn from what happened, right. And to see that it didn't work. And so, um, because I think when, whether you're talking about staffing or any kind of bylaws or structure or anything is because everything is fine when everything's fine, right? Like even, even a bad structure functions when everything's fine, right? It's, it's when it gets tested is when it shows whether it's a good or bad structure, right. Or, or whether it's sustainable or not. And, and again, that was just what Don came. He's like, Hey, it was tested and it failed. So we, so again, they went through a whole bunch of bylaw changes and kind of that, but one of the major bylaw changes that was made and to the structure of it was in the way that staff was handled. And so the way that our is, we are now is where, um, again, I am accountable to the board. The board is my boss as the lead slash senior pastor but then all the other staff are managed by me. And so uh, the, and again, there's, there's pluses and minuses to every, every structure, everything. Right. But so, but all of that weight is now on my shoulders. And, and so, so I manage all the staff. I'm in charge of all their evaluations of, of, of what I get, what positions we need and what we don't need. Uh, you know, kind of all of that plays on, on, on me. Right. Again, I make those decisions. And so, and ultimately, though, if again, if those staff members aren't performing, then again, that's also on me, right? And so, uh, you know, again, the board obviously, in an advisable, advisable way, can say like, "Hey, uh, you need to, you need to deal with this," but it's my job to deal with it. It's not, you know, it used to be the board's job. So, um, so again, that's that was kind of unique coming into that. And so, um, as I did step into that, like I said, there it was at kind of bare bones. And so, honestly, when I got here. Um, it was, um, I was the only full-time employee, just like you walked into with Fairview. Uh, and then there were there, but there were some other, just kind of other people around and some, some that were paid, but the majority of those positions were volunteer, which I think, and that's the other reality of staffing is that you will never be able to pay enough people to, to run a church without, you know, and not need volunteers. Like you will always need volunteers. It doesn't matter how many employees you have, how big your church gets, a pipe dream to think that, you know, oh, we can just hire people. And, and the, the, you know, the truth is that that's just, that will never be true. Right. So, oh, I think that there's, you know, something there. I think you touched on, on one major point where you have uh, the difference between a pastoral led and a board led uh, church. And I think, you know, again, some of those are good. Some of them are bad. I think 
part of that is going to determine based on the individual that's called to lead the congregation, right? Like, so for um, the pastor, you've accepted some of that responsibility. Like I can rise mm -hmm. and fall with having the staff on my radar, you know, like I'm okay with that. Some people, you know, say, Hey, look, I, I love to preach and I'm just a teacher. And I, you know, as far as the administrative stuff, I'd rather somebody else do it. Now, again, some of the, the drawbacks to some of those things is you got to have a good working relationship with your leadership regardless. Right. Because I think, as you inform them, I think one of the things that's always hard is the board members don't get a chance to see all of the things that we see. And so oftentimes yeah. I try to defend uh, like our board members for the most part, because remember, a lot of them are serving in a volunteer capacity that they came to this and they're asked to make difficult decisions for the trajectory of the church based off of a perspective or just a snapshot of what's presented to them. And oftentimes in the roles that we hold, that's up to us. So that if you're taking over a church, you have to be able to communicate that well to your leadership, where that need is, how you want to respond to that, and you have to be proactive. And so I think some of those things kind of come into play, but it's really difficult if you have a board-led church and they're not as engaged, um, kind of like you just described that that is a really difficult situation because they don't know how to adequately serve um, because they don't know everything that's going on. And they're asked to make a decision based off of um, just a being informed by one perspective. So I think yeah, those would be some, some clarity things that I just would say on that piece for me is you were presenting that um, because I've seen it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say, having those, those relationships with those key people is so important. And then, you know, I think it is good to have that accountability. I mean, and we could drill down on these things so much deeper, but, you know, still on a surface level, one of the things is if you have a staff and, you know, kind of the question I put down when you're saying that is how to lead when you aren't the leader, right? Like that's a really tough position to be in. You know, you and I have been in a spot, yeah. even as, associate guys that we were the number twos and there might be some thoughts or some uh, opportunities that you see to make improvements or those things but if you're not the leader sometimes those aren't your role but if you are and you're in a board situation like this the last thing that you want there there could be all sorts of other things but one that comes to mind would be you know the old workaround like the the staff that kind of then feels like they don't have to respect or do things and if you get someone that's in there for the wrong reasons, they could come and say, well, you can't fire me anyhow. I'll just go around you. I'll go and talk to the board. So knowing the structure that you have is vital um, so that yeah. you know where those potential uh, pitfalls could be, um, knowing where they're at. Again, I think part of it for our story in that is knowing that if change isn't there or you're not called, sometimes God could be moving you on. And that's ultimately how we moved into both of our positions. And so just kind yeah. of knowing that as far as uh, encouragement, but sometimes you're put in a position where, you know, you, you're asked to lead, but you don't have the authority to lead. And so I, I wanted to make sure that we had that, but um, yeah, yeah so absolutely. Staffing is, is always is a tough one. So yeah, go ahead, jump back in. Well, no, well, and I was going to say, again, just to your point, like no matter which structure you're in, um, you know, communication is still needed. And I think, and it's still, a, you know, a, a, a 
collaborative effort. I think because again, if it is board driven, you know, and then they still need, like you said, they need the input from the lead pastor or the staff to know what the day-to-day looks like. Now, uh, now the flip side of that is even in my structure is that my hands are still kind of tied by the board because they hold all of the authority of the money. And, and, and so I cannot hire somebody. Well, I guess I could hire them, but I can't pay them unless the board approves it. Right. So, um, you know, so again, like, like it is time. I mean, but I think that's very important is that there are that communication, even those checks and balances that are that are in place of, of whichever structure is, is there or, or hybrid of it or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And so again, you know, the, the board needs to hear from me about what's my vision as far as when we need to hire somebody or whatever that might be, because they have to back it financially. Right. And, and if they don't, then you know, like I said, I could hire them, right? I mean, technically, but I, but I can't pay them. So, so which would then by definition, make them a volunteer, right? So, so I guess as we, you know, again, as you navigate that, I think it's just important to know your structure, but also to know, again, and every structure comes with its pluses and minuses, right? Nothing is perfect. But then I think also knowing, again, those avenues of communication and those checks and balances that need to be there as well. I mean, because you don't want just one person dictating everything and that, that whether it's a board chairman or a senior pastor or whatever it is, um, you know, that's a very dangerous place to be. Now, the well, other thing that we've kind of- Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really that accountability piece. And so like, we all know that ourselves being broken, we're also going to help serve broken people. And so part of that safeguard is that you have those procedures and things in play to where there is accountability to where if someone tries to go after you, you have the covering of those things, whether that is the board or whether that is, you know, some different things that you have to say, no, (laughs) here's where we're at. We have this squared away because we've had the conversation we have not only communication, but we have clear defined goals, um, you know, maybe even like uh, escalators to where these things happen or these programs start because um, this has taken place. And so, you know, those things could range from not only just staff members and stuff that we're talking about. These could be if you're in a revitalization, it could either be taking away, we've talked about golden caps, taking away a service and condensing down to one if you did two, or going the opposite. Maybe you're starting to grow because the Lord is finding favor in, in the sense and people are coming back together to assemble and health is taking place and you got to go from one to two. You need to have some of those things that like just basic. If, you, if you're in a small building or you're renting, hey, if we get past 100, uh, you know, this room only holds that. So we're going to need to have a second uh, service, you know, and just having those conversations. I know it takes a little bit of legwork up front but it helps eradicate and it helps uh, minimize the foothold that Satan can have to try to say, Oh, well, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? You know, because again, from a different perspective, it's like using a statistic, you can almost make it say what it wants. And so not being clearly defined, not being able to, to be on the same page, you just kind of take away some of those potentials. And trust me, if you're listening to this and you are involved in a, you know, in a church revitalization, you know, this all too well, <laughs> and you've experienced some of these. And so like, I might be preaching to the choir, but at the same time, you're like, yes, please don't go down that road. Those things will suck the life out of you. They will consume, uh, you know, measurable amount of time and those things. So 
we're just throwing out some tidbits that, um, you know, maybe sometimes we've gone down a rabbit hole that we want to help, you know, vicariously, you don't have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess to answer, actually, not all of that to say, to answer your actual question, when I came to Oregon Trail, I was uh, again hired as their senior slash lead pastor. And I actually changed that title from senior to lead because I was like one of the youngest people in the church when I got here. So I was like, I don't feel like I'm senior anything. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I was lead. Then, uh, so to lead pastor, then we went, I had, um, then we did have a, a youth pastor that was on our staff. Again, I use that, give you air quotes of that because uh, she was actually one of my former interns from Cloverdale, which was part of the connection that got me here in the first place. Um, but she was working here as the, their youth pastor. Uh, but again, very part-time. I mean, she was on, she was paid, but it was, it was very minimal. I mean, it was like intern level back there. I think it was pretty close to what we paid her as an intern at Cloverdale. So, um, so again, but she was, I mean, she, she was the youth department. So there was, so she was here. Um, and like I said, then it was just her and I, um, as far as paid staff, uh, when I started. And then as I talked about in previous episodes, um, the, the board had kind of recommended and, and again, they were saying, Hey, think about this and about hiring Dawn back as an associate role, um, which, which we did. I decided to do that again. And Dawn and I moved back uh, or had several conversations and, um, and it wasn't, it was six months after I got here was when we hired him. Uh, when, when I hired him back and I guess, again, that clear, clear distinction, right. It was my decision. There was no, you know, um, again, the board, let me know that again, that they kind of, you know, again, that, and he came back as seniors with all those people that he, he had been pastored for all those years. And, and again, it was just, it was a unique role. Um, it was one, and he was here for literally two years and him and I mutually agreed that if he came back, that he was only going to be here for a season. And, and that was, and like, again, that's probably a whole different show as far as the way that that relationship worked and, and the communication between us. Um, again, I did not hire him back either until I felt like that um, the church was ready for him to come back and that he was ready because he was incredibly burnt out. I mean, when I, when I came here. And so um, again, I, I mean, I met with him, you know, regularly through, even through those first six months. Um, and so, like I said, just, there's a lot more there, but so he was, he came back and he was halftime when he came back. And so, uh, we were, you know, just financially able to, to swing that. So we had a, just a very minimal youth pastor salary, um, and then halftime and Don was associate pastor at that point. So, um, so again, and just as we both alluded to, and I think when we talk about staffing, both of us come from a pretty, I guess, and maybe it's not that unique. I was going to say unique situation, but maybe it's, it's probably not actually that unique uh, that both of us had sat on staffs, uh, you know, as a, in associate roles. Like I said, I was, you were a missions pastor. I was a youth pastor. We were both the associate pastor. And we, we talked about that, um, you know, how we, we were in the same position at Cloverdale uh, at different times. And so we, I, and I know that has really um, shaped my philosophy and, and, and practice on staff now at Oregon Trail of the fact that I, I have been on a church staff and I've been, you know, sat in meetings or sat in, uh, you know, in the ranks of the church at, at those lower places. And like you said, how do you, how do you lead, um, lead with influence? Because you don't actually have authority. You know, how, how do you speak, you know, up the line, whether it's to your senior pastor or to your board or how, whatever that looks like as a, as a staff person, or, or even as a volunteer in a church, like how do you influence up without, you know, having authority down? And I think that's, 
again, like I said, that's a huge topic. I think that's one that applies, obviously, everybody in lots of different contexts. Um, but I will say definitely as, as, as I go into just kind of what has been my philosophy with Oregon Trail as we have grown, because now we do have multiple staff at our church. And so um, with that is my, my viewpoint and influence on that is, was, uh, was largely because of what I experienced as a staff pastor, right? So, um, so, one of the, so I'll tell you right now, we do have at our church, um, and we don't have a child center or daycare or anything like that. Like literally, we don't have that dynamic, which again is, a, is one that you do have. And there's a lot of churches that have that kind of separate dynamic that, that affects your staffing. They said, we don't have anything like that at Oregon Trail. So it is pretty clean, I guess, you know, so to speak, and far as, as far as everybody that's on staff, on paid staff is, uh, is reporting to me, right? I mean, other, other than, and there is just directly for the church. So currently we have, but I am still the only full-time employee uh, of, of the church. And so like I said, and that is, is on purpose. Um, and, and that, that, kind of, that, plays into exactly my philosophy of why that is true. Um, and so that the main thing, like I said, is whether it's been through my own experience as a youth pastor and as associate pastor before I sat here. And what I will say is that um, if you are a staff pastor or a volunteer in your church and just wondering why, you know, why your, your lead pastor or your senior pastor like hasn't made decisions or seems like they take forever. And again, that was my perspective. It was like, why does it take so long to make a decision? Right. And like, you know, as a staff person, and I remember saying it, but I'll just say that now that I'm in this seat and learning to manage people and hiring and, and doing evaluations and, and do all these things is that I, I have a lot more respect, right. For those lead pastors and for the people that I worked under. And to say that is, and I think I literally told this is like, I, I mean, I had to go back and I, I mean, I owe Tommy, uh, an apology, right. For, for some of those times, right. Uh, of my attitude, um, of sitting, sitting in those, because again, I, I didn't I get it. I thought I knew in that moment. Right. But I didn't. So, um, again, I'll just, I'll just lay that out there right now. I was a hundred percent right with Tommy all the time. So I haven't had to have that. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> uh, so no, but I think that those are some of the things, including another thing that we haven't really talked about. And this is just, um, uh, a whimsical and you could dig deeper into this topic as well is oftentimes when you're inheriting this and um one of the latest statistics and 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 i would try to get a better source because i think i was just looking and it was like a a failingchurches.com kind of thing and it was just speaking to the turnover rate and so if you're inheriting a church um one of the things is knowing again what was the past how did those things happen? And whether we like it or not, when you're coming to an established church, like you said, there's not just a fresh start. Oftentimes there's a baseline and there's some history, just like our testimony. And so knowing what kind of turnover is, I want to say that on that website, it referenced like uh, a senior pastor usually moves on after about a four-year period was what they quoted. I don't know if that's right, but I, I think a lot of you know those things kind of can vary from time to time. But the point being is, if it's a short amount of time and you're serving those people, sometimes you have to understand as well when you're coming in that they are coming from a standpoint of if it's unhealthy, you might hear things like, I was here before the last four pastors and I'll be here after you. And so there's some things that you kind of have to understand 
Um, how is turnover? How has it played its role? You're coming into an established church as opposed to launching one with new history. Um, and sometimes those can be good because like in our history, we have some really great pastors that have come through the doors. Um, even though we're smaller and we've dwindled down like to a, a certain extent. And we have, if you go down, we have like this heritage wall of like pastors. I mean, we have like people that have started ministry for church of God, like in the Skaggs in like Cairo, Egypt, we have our general director right now, Jim Lyon, who moved us to the status quo to the modern day building here in the eighties, excuse me. And we just have so many rich history and different people, but understanding that understanding what took place, where turnover is. And sometimes as leaders, we have to address that. And it really does, uh, it can create a divide, right? Like people will say, well, you're just here for a short time. You're, you're not here for a long period of time. And I don't want to get too comfortable, which segues into a little bit of that might infect the way that they're willing to engage in a key role for volunteering or a lay person, because they're thinking, I've been down this road before. I started a program. I've been a part of something with a lead pastor or a senior pastor, whatever the term is. And then they ended up leaving and pulling the rug out from underneath me. So I don't know that I'm going to stand at arm's reach at this point um, until I get to that. So there's some other dynamics is what I'm saying that play a role into that. But knowing that with staff, knowing what you're up against, knowing that we have this thing, I, quick side note would be, I, I have like level one certification through USA track and field. And I was the head varsity coach at a high school, like, uh, Gosh, that's like almost 10 years ago now. I was the varsity coach and I was in my 20s and I was like, oh, this is great, you know, but I never wanted to go into coaching full time or at the collegiate level because I was like, that's dumb. Like coaches have to move. They have to go where the job is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, now you're a ministry, <laughs> and now I've moved several times anyhow. So uh, I just say that with a grain of salt from the standpoint of knowing that those things are there. And oftentimes, just like where we are, your move was a little bit just down the Treasure Valley. Mine was back to another state. But knowing that God may have a plan and you may have to move and it might not be the same context that you were in. So knowing that yeah. having resources, having people to connect with to not have to recreate the wheel, because if you're spinning everything else that you have, plus that and you're trying to make, uh, you know, system changes, like you said, that's a daunting task. So get help. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you need help again, whether they, whether it can be paid staff or whether it's volunteers, again, you need help. And so that's, again, looking at that now, again, sometimes it's dictated by the financial reality, right? That, that you don't have any money to hire people. So, so you, you have to just rely on volunteers. Um, but yeah, I'll just tell you. So my philosophy is as we have grown, as we've been able to hire staff, um, my philosophy was that, uh, that, I would only hire people to do their role, right? And so um, we, I was not going to have people in dual roles at all. And so now, and I say that, and that's, that's why everybody's part-time, right? Because again, we have a youth, youth ministry director and their only formal, uh, you know, role at our church, other than just other staff duties, right? Because there's something that everybody does because they're staff, like they all have to come to staff meeting, right? Regardless of where you're at. You know, there's things like that, but outside of just staff duties, um, he only does youth. And so that was one of the things where, again, my children's director is also part-time and she only does kids, 
Right. And, and so, um, again, I think one of the trends that I saw in churches, whether it was even some of myself as I was on staff, as well as when I consulted with other churches and, and I did some, a lot of outside speaking, consulting and some stuff in the youth ministry world. One of the consistent things that I saw, right, with struggling youth workers was that they were, they were hired full-time at the church and one, they were very underpaid, right? Because, and so they were struggling in their family and in their, you know, to, to get food on the table. And so that obviously affected their jobs. But then the other side of it was that they were doing so many things for the church, right? I mean, everything but youth ministry. I mean, they were cutting the grass. They were running the sound booth, right? They were the webmaster. They were scrubbing the toilets. They, they were, you know, I mean, I, you name, like they, I mean, they were doing everything for the church because they were the only other employee, right? Other than the lead pastor. Um, and so, and, and, but, but when it came to a time to evaluation, they were only being evaluated on the youth ministry because they're the youth pastor, right? And, and yet they come in and be like, well, I know why the youth ministry is struggling because you, you spend five minutes a week on it, right? And yet you're working, you know, 50, 60 hours for the church, but you're only spending a few of those on youth ministry because you're so busy doing everything else, right? When the reality was what the church should have done was hire a janitor, right? Hire a, a company to mow their grass, right? And find a volunteer to work in the office and then let you do youth ministry. Right. And, and so that, that was the, that was the philosophy I came with was that I was never going to do that to my staff. And so, um, so coming into that, that's why, I mean, we do now again, we, we have, um, and, and again, we have multiple people on staff, um, but they're all part-time, uh, because of that, because there's not the, the workload, right. For our youth pastor to be full-time just doing youth ministry. Right. And so, um, and again, I, like my hope is that we get to the place where, where he is, right. He can be, I mean, uh, most of my staff, they all want to be full-time at some point, uh, but the church has to grow, not just financially, but just, you know, uh, numerically. I mean, you know, we need to, so the workload is there to also warrant that salary, right. And to not just add on a bunch of these extra, you know, duties as a sign to fill their time and to get, get, get our, you know, God's money's worth out of their time for having them on staff. So, but one of the, so one of the things we've done though, is like we do, I, we did create within our structure of pastoral positions, uh, director positions and hourly positions. And so again, that structure was not there. It was just kind of a, yeah, if, if, you know, the church hired him and they came in. So, uh, so yeah, we, we have those three very distinct, uh, roles. And so again, our, our, our newest staff person is, uh, is our, is a Spanish pastor, so he's, he's the only other in a pastoral role. So um, obviously I'm on a, in a pastoral role and so is he. And, and, that, and that ultimately comes down to your credentialing, right? Like whether you are licensed or ordained as a pastor. And so that's kind of the differentiating side of that. Um, but that's also the line that, uh, that the IRS has for employees, by the way. And so you can, you know, look at that again, that's a whole probably different topic or, or discussion for another day. Um, but so that's, we have pastoral role, then we have director roles. So we have, I have three people in director roles right now, which is our youth ministry director, uh, our children's ministry director and our worship and outreach director. So, um, so, or worship and worship, and I don't forget what exactly what her title is. It's, uh, but again, she, she, just like you, she, she is part-time. She leads, uh, leads the music, our whole music team and production team. And she also helps with our, like our outreach events. So, um, so that's uh so those are our three director uh, positions and like I said they're all part time um, and then and then we have our hourly which is our um, we only have one person in that category right now uh, which is our office uh, office 
and uh, treasurer. So uh, church secretary treasurer. So, and she is, and she's also part-time. She's like more kind of about three quarter time. And again, our, uh, our Spanish pastor is half time. And then the other, all the other director positions are they're They're at half time as well or close around that. So, um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at uh, with that now, but then we also have a lot of volunteers that, that fulfill, you know, roles that again, we, sh- I mean, we'll have to pay for if the, you don't have the right people. So like our, our facilities director example, right. That's a, I mean, a, it is, will, will be an hourly position when it's paid, but right now it's being done by a man in our church that volunteers his time. And so, um, again, so l- luckily yeah. right, we don't have to pay cause we, uh, we can't afford to. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that those things are there, especially like, I guess <clears throat> here would be my, my quick Tommy story is when you get in and you don't have a staff and you understand those things, um, my Tommy story would be like, I've kind of forgotten the days where like he was having a rough day that you could see as a senior pastor. And he tells you, Hey, let's hop in the car. And I get to show for him, by the way, we're going to go love on somebody because no better cure than to share the love that you want kind of with other people. And with Tommy, that was like, let's go to Lee's candy. Now we're truly taking candy to the person and connecting the dot that needed it. But a byproduct was you got to sample a little bit while you were there. <laughs> and so like, I totally just, you know, in the lightheartedness, uh, someone once described Tommy before I came out there, they said, he's a big jovial fella. That's the closest that you'll meet to Santa Claus on earth. That's real. And so, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, kids, as we move into that season. Um, but the reality is that was totally Tommy. And I miss those days where I've had, you know, like, you know, we can call him in contact, but just those little substant days where he could just grab something or now reflecting back on those that, um, so if you don't have a staff, man, get connected, even maybe with other people in your church or, um, you know, people outside of your church is also like a, a healthy way. And I'm not saying just to spew or to do those things as you're looking for staff. If you don't have a staff, um, do that, but be cautious with who you do that with in the sense of, don't vomit on all the people that you're serving, like find a, a, a constructive way um, in Seattle, man, I feel like, you know, even that, that incorporates maybe even some counseling from time to time, you know, uh, kind of, if you don't have a mentor, but also a counselor to have a moment where you can kind of have a brain dump. So anyhow, I wanted to, to put those things in there too, that if you don't, if you've heard all this thus far and you're like, man, I just really wish that I seek that because I think it's important. I think, you know, if you get isolated, that's when Satan does some of his best work. When two or more are gathered, you can still point to true North and that compass is still fixed on Jesus. And so I want to remind people of that. If you're there, if you're struggling, if you're a one man show, so to speak, and you haven't added the pieces that we have, even if they're part-time man, seek that out. You know, Brian and I are part of groups outside of obviously where we serve both nationally and globally. Um, and so like find resources and people that you can, um, pour into if, if, if we've gone through staff, you know, we've talked about key volunteers, we've talked about lay people, honestly, the church doesn't roll, like Brian said, without lay people that have a passion for that. And oftentimes those lay people are going to help, um, speak into a season and maybe even some of the programs that you develop because they are so passionate about it. They want to take it on. They want to run with it. And so some of our greatest, uh, programmatic things that we have maybe like, and, and I hate to use that word program. Cause then it feels like it's so dictated and regimented, but like 
the program could be outreach to go and, and find a need in the community and do that because they see it, they identify with it, and it becomes something that they're super passionate about. And then ultimately we can get on board. And so, um, yeah, just <laughs> that'd be my kind of quick kind of down and dirty, uh, you know, to add in some of those things as far as, you know, you talked on those roles, pastoral director and hourly, but also if you don't have some of those things, I'll talk about that side real quick on that. So uh, those would be the things that I would just kind of throw in there is just as a reminder. And man, if you have any questions on these things or you're trying to uh, develop this, uh, don't go at this alone. Like we said, there's a lot of different places, a lot of different ways that you can get resources and everybody's doing it. Um, but find the one that works for you. And obviously this goes without saying is, you know, I have that model of like, you know, work like it depends on me, but pray like it depends on God who ultimately is leading us and guiding us, whether your role is, as the pastor-led church, or you have that influence in a board-led church, they're looking for you to be the spiritual shepherd. And so make sure that you have that connectivity above all else too. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think just, uh, thanks for that work. Great word. And I think just to add on tag on the end is I know when it comes to staffing or high, which it's not just the church. I think we have this problem in church, but we see it widespread now is like, nobody can find good help, you know, and every place is hiring and kind of, okay. It, what, so what happens when you're ready to hire? Like, how do you find them? Whatever. And I'll say is that, um, that never overlook hiring from within, right. Or bringing in from, you know, again, potentially people who have been volunteers or worked their way, then just bring them on staff if you can. And if they have a calling, and I say it just is um, most of my staff now, I mean, outside of my Spanish pastor, he's the only one that has not been hired from within our congregation. And, uh, and I think, again, there's pluses and minuses both ways. And I think to look at that, but, but especially in part-time positions, like nobody's going to move here, right. For, you know, for, for a, a 15 hour a week youth, youth director job. Right. I, I mean, so, so the reality is like, if that's the road, and like I said, that's the road that we're committed to. And if we do that, then we are pretty much pigeonholed from hiring locally or from hiring within. And so, but I said, but so far though, it's worked out tremendous for us. So, but yeah, thanks for listening guys. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for content or problems you want us to, to talk about or address, uh, whatever it would be, uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, just keep serving God with everything you have. Cause just as TJ said, like it does depend on God. It is his church. And whether you're in it by yourself or you're managing a huge staff, uh, that fact never changes. Be an ambassador and be blessed, guys. Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast. Or send us an email at Acts 2028 Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.